0: Well, hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Transfix Take On. I'm your host, Jenny Ruiz, and today I'm joined by Jose Socorro, an industry vet whose career spans from J.B. Hunt to OK Foods. And today, we're taking on a change in the supply chain. Say that three times fast. <laughs> welcome to the show, Jose. It's such a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you for having me, Jenny. up.
0: Wepa. Let's get right into it. I have a lot of questions for you. And you know what? Given your tenure in logistics, uh, you know, before we get into the, the nitty gritty, why don't you give our listeners a rundown of your career history, how you got started and and sort of where you are today?
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'll tell you this. I am very thankful for J.B. Hunt uh, and for the logistics trucking industry, or we'll call it transportation, because that's where I got my start. It gave me a good career, great opportunities. Uh, and I've always encouraged folks I've talked to that there's such great opportunities and such uh, potential when working in the industry. And it's been re- it's a rewarding uh, process. It's a very giving process, a giving sector. And so I, I remember I even talked to a good family friend, and he took on a job in logistics space out in New Jersey a couple of years ago before he went uh, into teaching. Yeah. and he, he he just learned so much and was so thankful so i just want to say that real quick uh
0: Absolutely. where how i
1: got my start was uh i moved to arkansas because i married an arkansas girl usually it's, it's a biblical thing or in the constitution somewhere if you marry an arkansas girl you move back to arkansas with her you don't go anywhere else okay um, i'd say that lightly as a joke with a little bit of sarcasm in there uh, <laughs> no but i i love arkansas i mean arkansas has walmart jb hunt uh just one of the best supply chain programs in the world at the university of arkansas and so there's just a lot going on there and so uh, when i moved i started out in staffing and i had jb hunt reach out asking me hey we'd like you to consider joining us and through interviews and meetings folks uh, i even met a guy from new york that worked at jb hunt and and during that interview process that really hit it off and so i got my start august 2018 and did a couple of things we were working on the 360 platform recruiting carriers and then i went on to uh, help gain and increase carriers utilizing the benefits of the platform such as the pilot flying j SEAL program and theories xm and after that i took on the the most one of the most un- undervalued and over criticized roles as a freight mm-hmm. broker with a team that handled very, very, very delicate and, and expensive commodities, and that was a couple of months before COVID.
0: Oh wow! And COVID
1: was very transformational, uh, just not only for everyone in the world and and various sectors, but also I'll say for myself, um, just because we worked from home, and I never had a job where I worked from home, and so that was right. a new experience. So I, I made sure I worked my tail off, helping other teams within the within JB Hunt to move commodities and and then we went on from there and i I found one of my biggest wins on this broker team one weekend covering over 20 loads uh for business going to the midwest to the west coast and then uh, during covid servicing a customer where her primary carrier uh couldn't fulfill and so i stepped in with the carrier in state and we not only made that customer happy but we also made jb hunt very profitable as well so and then um, I went on to uh, log- to logistics supervisor role in metal manufacturing with a company called Central States. Yep. I was there for almost two years. Th- from there, I basically took on the role of a fleet manager, man- managing ten kind to of fifteen drivers, working with the with the St. Louis plant to manage uh, profit and losses, manage customer expectations, mm-hmm. making sure we were delivering product, and and making sure we were taking care of of, of the drivers and and our vendors. I Had a lot of successes there. Learned a lot about finances, P and L, um, the other the the other side of the business, which is the the non-trucking side, the, the commodities and the dynamics behind that. Right. Uh, then I moved uh, about an hour south of Northwest Arkansas, also known as the land of milk and honey, uh, <laughs> to be closer to family, and uh, that's where I was at as a logistics manager for so okay, Food. I was a shipper, and in in that role, I interacted with various Trucking companies, retail, small to large assets, worked with different departments such as distribution, operations to make sure a lot of customers got their chickens from retail to restaurants. Uh, you name it, we did it. And so uh, that right there was a great experience. I mean, a lot of it was managing a prop and loss sheet, taking care of your external and internal customers. Uh, it was a twenty four seven operation, and so the phone stayed busy. I stayed busy, and uh, it was a fun run while it lasted.
0: Wow, what a you know! I think the only other person that had the same or similar uh, well rounded experience like you is Thomas Wasson of Freight Waves. He he's also been in, in these different areas, and you know, can you talk to me about the importance of understanding and and even being in those roles and how? It really does shape you into a into success.
1: Absolutely, I, I think that it's pretty clear as a freight broker, you're you're going to focus on you you the the fact that if you if, a, if an order gets messed up because the truck was late or a truck breakdown and you're having customer service and fail and you know because the customer's tripping at them, you're like, mm-hmm. well, nobody understands what I have to go through and I have to cover the loads and I have to take losses or I have to recover a truck because everything was going to work. And we all know once two o'clock, three o'clock hits any day of the week, it's going to be painful, especially on the weekend where yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of a trucker roulette uh, as you have to recover, recover something. Um, you're going to be paying premium dollars, but sometimes you, you have to do that. I remember Chris Jolly, he has a, a podcast and just well-known logistics expert out of Arizona. Yeah. He's talked about many times, if you can win money, you can definitely learn to how to lose it at times.
0: Mm. And of
1: course, a smart broker, if the business allows it, and I say business allows it because sometimes your sales team may negotiate rates that aren't really realistic, or or they haven't done their homework or really ask a second opinion. And mm. so, if you if you don't have uh, a sales team that is listening to what what the ops logistics team to telling them on the rates and all, then you're going to be in trouble. So, as a broker, you're always going to see the side of you don't always think inside of you, because oh, this is a hard job, and it is. It's 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 not always rewarding, as you may say, from a, a, a encourage morale standpoint. Sure. But it definitely develops character and develops critical thinking, and it allows and expands you, and it challenges you, and it pushes you to the next level. Uh, and, and there's just so much rewarding, especially with our society, our our is very catered and very very weak minded. Yeah. Um, and, and brokerage basically says, we're going to kind of develop you how your parents and grandparents are developed. Hard work, hardship, and you're just going to grow and be better for it. Uh, and then you talked about a fleet manager.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Industry experts are, or I think, the more efficient and, and effective fleet managers are those that actually drove trucks or, were, or started out in the dispatch office. Mm-hmm. Because they can make the connection with the drivers. You know, most of our brokers, they're coming out of college or from yeah. a different sector, and so they haven't interacted with drivers. Drivers are human beings, but they 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 can be tough sometimes for a good reason and not good reason. Right. But to, to, make, to, to be antithetic is the first step. To actually take that empathy and, and put it into action is the next, and then that action has to be consistent throughout the duration of that relationship between you and the driver. And so I feel like the best fleet managers are those that, Already have a thick skin mm. and all, and have been in in the non-education world. But then, if you come from the education world, it's really about the empathy, understanding the 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 market, understanding the drivers' pain points. Because one of the things that the fleet manager that I did or that I was tasked with was managing those relationships with equipment vendors right. and doing everything you can to get those equipments turned around quickly or work through a bottleneck because well, you don't have this for that trailer or this truck. Um, and, and then that those are the big things there. And also just finding ways to keep your drivers uh, profitable, meaning making a livable wage,
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, with over the road drivers, at least where I, when I was a fleet manager, those guys were on the road a few days a week, but back home by Friday. And a lot of drivers will take that. Right. To be guaranteed that Saturday, Sunday, where, you know, other OTR drivers, they lit, they're they the long haulers, man. They're, they're the road champs. They'll go out two, three weeks at a time really make some good money, come home for a few days and go out. And and so every situation is different. But I I think that's going to be the thing.
0: Yeah, and I don't think people realize, you know, especially on the freight broker side, like you said, if you're not, if you haven't ever really spoken to a driver, it's really a culture shock because these are people that spend 90% of their lives on the road and that is not an easy thing to do. It may seem like it's, quote, easy because you're driving, but there's so much... Uh, uh, a strategy that goes behind yeah you know and relationship no, building right absolutely
1: and when I was at hunt, I've got to build some good relationships with the drivers and, and learn and understand and and that's the thing you know one of the things that the the successful brokers at JB Hunt did is they built relationships with with good carriers
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: utilize the relationships and the way you build rapport with those carriers is going the extra mile for them. Reaching out for accounts payable if you need to, or finding a way to make them a little more money if you can, or just being there for them on the weekends where it's like no fun for nobody, especially when you have product delivered. And again, it just varies because you know, this is where I'll segue into the shipper side. You know, I came from a Fortune five hundred company. Yeah. But you know, the assets were in a different part of JB Hunt. So I didn't work with them as much. And when I did, those were good experiences. The team they were great, but the thing is you have other companies that have the model and the, the scope and and the infrastructure like time and and sometimes the big fleets are not as as effective or amazing and and it's just not a criticism this is personal experience from if you're having an issue with the load on the weekend because you can't locate the truck yeah. and you're calling one person but that one person isn't reliable or they don't have the mm. contact because the big companies they have multiple uh avenues of communication and processes where the small to mid-range fleet have a little more flexibility because someone is going to be working that phone because they're working those operations even as they are with family or out and about or even on vacation right. um, but the thing is there are even within the big fleets, the big companies mm-hmm. there are folks that will make sure things get handled and taken care of but that's very few and far between okay. because the point of contact isn't going to be as committed as the weekend person because the weekend person has all this business and, and they're not they, they may not be as motivated or wired to right. be thinking how you look at the business. But yeah the shipper side definitely you see a lot and, and you can see both sides, but then at the same time it's about holding carriers accountable. And mm. the thing one thing I can encourage is if you build a relationship with shippers, don't turn your back on them. Don't don't do something to betray trust because that that is not good either
0: what's an, I, that, that? Huh? what's an example of that
1: yeah we we have you know i've dealt with carriers that uh they're they're good people they build mm. rapport but if things aren't going well you, you you're not giving them the business or you're 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 wanting to discuss and hold them accountable to their service levels or the lack of communication yeah. Uh, or maybe they're having a bad day and they're just not, they, you know, you, you, you said something that normally would be good, you know, cause you build relationships and it becomes like friends and all that. And so it, you build that confidence level, but if you're like, well, screw this or, or maybe, cause the thing is, I dealt with a lot of companies, 3PLs in particular, not, not big fleets or big companies mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they work for a, an outfit or, but they're the main point of contact, and, and they're doing what they can. But the thing is, you've got to have an open mind. You're not doing good. It's plain and simple. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. you mentioned a few times. Your service level so good. But you want to be as perfect as you can. Or If you're making mistakes on things that are fixable, fix them. Mm-hmm. And don't breach that trust because you're hurt about something or you don't like the way someone goes about things. I mean, I also have to improve on communication and how I interact with them. But then when, when, when the, that trust is betrayed, you, you tend to be like, well, you know, the trust is broken. Yeah. I'm going Hard to, to use that. You, but I'm not going to use you as much because I, I, the carriers I relied on, they were available 24-7 or they were very efficient to mm. where if I reach out to them in the evening, they can do it. I, I always had a handful of carriers that were my gunners or right. my go-tos or like my Navy SEAL yeah. um, where they can recover loads any time of the day or if they had an option it may not be tomorrow but they'll make it happen and sometimes you have to, those options do happen and you have to be able to communicate that to your customer service team and explain to them what's going on because they don't know trucking they just know the order has to get there which is fair but at the same time the trucking is a very predictably unpredictable thing
0: oh man mm-hmm. especially this so, year
1: <laughs> yes
0: yeah. I mean, and yes yeah. No, I just want to you know while we're here, what have you what have you identified as as areas of improvement for shippers that they can work on in 2024, especially now that they've you know the market's really been in their favor for the last year and change.
1: I think they got the the one thing is have those conversations with your carriers. Don't I? I I'm not a big I, I'm a fan of options. I'm not a fan of having too many options, hmm. and that's one thing I think shippers get in the bind. If you're like a Walmart. And a, and a target, you definitely need to keep your options open. There's, But I mean, the, those, that, that's a whole different conversation, but like small to sized shippers, you really want to not onboard as many carriers if you don't have to. Mm-hmm. And if you're a company where you have a leader that they have a general on the team, but they don't really know, then you're going to get away with onboarding and bringing on more carriers than you need to. I think, uh shippers probably make the mistake of bringing on too many folks and going off information of others which is fine you know you have a team and you pay your folks a certain amount uh mm-hmm. to be able to handle all those things but you definitely have to get a graph because it's hard to measure kpis on carrier performance the only carrier performance you can measure is on-time delivery that's pretty common i mean i can tell you right now i mean big companies are hiring folks just to track that metric of on-time delivery But they really need to be smart about how they onboard. Like certain big shippers are only interested in assets. Like they have their 3PLs, but they want assets for strategic reasons and vice versa. But I've always been of the mindset you need to have three uh, uh, brokers and assets, and you need to be smart, and you need to be tactical about how you utilize carriers. Not every lane's for them, and sometimes you may have one carrier. They may only make a couple thousand on this length of the year, but you know what? you've got to be like a coach, be selective. And I I try to use the least amount of carriers and put them on on as much business as possible. Because Mm -hmm. if I can tender them a load and focus on the next task or project or financial reporting, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to those carriers that I know here's the rate. And the other thing is there's always a discussion rate. I wasn't always the nicest person because I always wanted to drive the cost down. It's my job. I was a yeah. broker, I was a fleet manager, but I've got to manage the cost That's of right. these things. And if these are spot loads or one-off or it could become a small project, uh, you know, I'm always going to try to find rates. I'm, I'm all, you know, every shipper is going to shop. They're going to reach out to two or three carriers and figure out, okay, what, what what's the consensus? All right, here's, where I, here's what I have, here's what I need to be, and here's where I'm going to go. And, that, and that's gonna be the, the end of that conversation and we move on.
0: Right, right. You know, you mentioned working in logistics is obviously, you know, it's it's uh, it's not for the faint of heart and there's certainly no. a mental toughness that you have to possess in order to really make it out each day with some success in your back pocket. So for, for you, my question is what do you think it takes to have that mental strength in this industry, especially during this these times?
1: Well, I mean, thick skin is important but here's my encouragement. Having an open mind is not easy, but it's a, you have to practice it. I have to practice it. Open mind means I'm going to hear what you have to say and not respond and be intentional about what you're saying, meaning I'm not gonna try to cut you off and I'm going to try to not let the emotions get in the way of hearing what you're saying. Right. That's gonna be the first part, right? The second part is now how I take what you said and apply it and where does it apply? Maybe it isn't applicable because maybe it's the the information being shared is opinion based and it doesn't have all the facts or maybe it's uh, more of a, I'm just giving you what I think. But if it's a practical and you can match that with other occurrences, you're like, okay, they have a point. They're saying something I really need to listen to and I need to take it and make changes because it's going to help the relationship and it's going to keep things moving. Um, And read, read, get on, get on social media, LinkedIn, uh, find the big uh, outlets that report it, get on the NBC, Fox News, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, well, not maybe Forbes, uh, but (laughs) Fortune, This stuff that covers more of the, the what's going on overseas and in, in, in ocean. I never dealt with ocean but there's always good information that comes from there because that before it hits the country it's got to go over waters absolutely so seeing what's going on at the docks and the ports helps uh, but then you have people that want to take that information i was one of the very first that jv hunt when i joined to utilize uh, freight waves and other sources mm. and 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 really share information to something i was new to but i took one headliner Clicked that, posted the article, and it got a lot of reaction, interaction, so, um, but now everybody's doing it, and people that have no idea, even though they work in the state, they have no idea what's going on, or they're just doing it because they hope they get the likes, but I'm just doing it to share and inform, because as I'm learning, I want others to learn what I, what I learned, um,
0: and that's what's With important, it. especially when you've been in this industry and you've had this experience firsthand. You know, I I, I do want to I have questions for you at the end um, uh, on some advice. But before we shift into that, you know, we spoke about technology and, and how you've seen a lot of this major digitization of freight over the last decade or so. Is there anything that's really taken you by surprise, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I'd especially like to hear from a logistics manager's perspective. Where has technology is
1: vital? Critical, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the TMS systems are important. JB Hunt, like I said, I, I had a great experience. I left on good terms. I'm big fans of, of what they've done. They they have in their budgets and in their strategic planning uh, funds allocated every year to improving technology, mm-hmm. which, of course, is not good for other companies because that obviously they want their stuff to be used, but they haven't invested, but not a lot, not every company has the backing or the strategic planning like hunt to value technology so the companies i've been at technology ha- is available for logistics but it's not primary and like many companies logistics isn't primary and what i mean by that is that there's internal systems or new technology that's mainly based around the product or the main focus of the company yeah. and the logistics is the secondary piece and that's where these where the pms has come in and and all but if, if if companies could prioritize the technology a little more and put a little more money into it, for those that don't some do but we know many don't mm-hmm. it would make a difference it is going to cost but the processes and the headaches and the money lost on just trying to troubleshoot stuff is immediately reduced and it improves um, especially tracking carrier performance that is a big deal and not mm-hmm. not a lot of companies know how to do that i mean i've I've been at companies where it is a priority and it is kind of a thing, but it took a while. And there's others where it's not even it's not even measured, not even a, a KPI or a metric. Um, and so it's kind of like you, you got to say to yourself, "Well, hey, I've, I've got to prioritize." A hey, the, the carrier relationship is important, and and again, the other flip side is the transactional piece of how a lot of companies treat carriers, and that that is a downfall. I, mm-hmm. I don't disagree, and that's going to be easier said than done. Right. but but again when it comes to the technology piece, TMSs are helpful the reporting and options they have from the tendering to the pulling the stats that is so important and so vital if you're not at a company that is already had that in place so technology has been very helpful I mean there, there's a lot of things going on I mean you know companies exiting companies leaving for for various reasons right but the thing is tech invest in technology if you're not a logistics company but you have a logistics team, make it a priority to, excuse me, to make a good financial investment because it's going to pay off instantly and in the long run and in ways you can't really measure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Were there any, uh, were there any products or or apps that you really enjoyed using, whether, you know, at OK or JB or anything like that?
1: I mean, I mean, JB Hunt had had their systems and had ways to navigate. I know they, that Excel is, is definitely a very effective tool to track, Individual performance mm-hmm. and check other stuff. But I mean, Power BI has been a good tool that complements logistics. Uh, and, you know, I, I've, I've interacted with uh, with what was BlueJay E2 open. I mean, there are some, there's good things that came from that as well. I mean, it's not a cheap product, but it definitely had its benefits. But so the thing is, is your cut. Co- the other thing, if companies aren't willing to invest in the training, the, the information, the tools are useful. And that's the other thing that companies tend to cut or not prioritize it's the training pay for the training it's gonna it's gonna benefit you in the long run don't compromise that because you don't want to spend the money right um or you know you have people that train but you know not not everybody's going to be good at the training or do it in a way that really fits that individual or group of people so that would be two things spend the money in the in the technology and put the money into training and bringing someone yeah so
0: yeah. You know, there's this next generation of professionals that are coming into into logistics, right? And transportation. What's the best piece of advice that you have for those people?
1: Have an open mind to technology. I know AI is still a big mystery and you hear the cons and the pros of it. I'm on the fence just because I AI, it, yeah, I, per, I perceive it as the way that, that some of the movies are portraying it, robots that take over everything. That I have concerns about. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: it's a long, long, long time uh, before we start to see that because I know some drivers were, you know, with the AV, a lot of uh, there was a lot of apprehension, understandably so. But we were are far away from that. I think, I hope.
1: I, I have where AI has been used in a good way when you're you're applying for jobs or you're inquiring as a customer.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it is it is a, it is a good thing there. The there's such a focus on technology. hmm. And it's all the same. So how do you differentiate yourself? That's the thing that I would say. Is with You don't see a lot with AI. I mean, you see it in some regards with the logistics space. But where I think you can see pros is that plant manufacturing and warehousing. That's where the, I think AI would definitely have its immediate impact. But on the transportation logistics side, you see how they're doing it with the e-logs and electrical trucks and all that. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like it, it's unrealistic. Like the expectations set really high. But electrical driverless trucks aren't going to replace drivers. I know there's a push for it. I know there's a uh, a social uh, impact deal, but I can tell you right now I'm more comfortable relying on a driver going from A to B than a a truck that's not operated by a human being. Um, And there's a place for both, but I'm going to lean more on the side of uh, a driver for now. And, oh, okay. and not to overtake majority of the business. I think yeah. there's a like I said, there's a place and a time for the AI's and and the other projects going on, but I don't think it's going to overtake. Yeah. Um. And 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 yeah. Anyway, that's just kind of my take on that. Uh, with the new technologies, read up on it and learn about it and figure out ways to be more efficient where you are in your workplace. The technology isn't prime. Yeah
0: now you've obviously moved up in the ranks in your career and 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 again for the next generation how do you suggest that they move up in the ranks the way you did
1: i would say pay your dues give it two Mm -hmm. to three years if you can in certain roles my my resume clearly doesn't say that but sometimes when the opportunities are good and the iron's hot you have to strike and go for it Um, but for those that maybe that's not how it works Try to give yourself at least two years plus at a place and, and if you can go longer, great. I know entry level logistics jobs don't pay the best, but again, um, going out of college, I know the expectation is you can make sixty to eighty thousand and logistics, that's not realistic just yet. Um, it, it is pretty blue collar. You have to work and earn your stripes and 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 develop your cadence and your swag, as you can I guess you can say. Yeah. Which is the way you get things done and make it happen. So uh, that, that's just what it comes down to. It is give yourself a few years. Don't rush into, especially if you're in your 20s. If you're in your 30s, I wouldn't rush into it either. Cause some folks get into the industry or need because they need a job mm-hmm. or they want to try something new. So if that's the case, whatever it is, uh, give yourself two to three years. And then if there's no opportunity where you're at, there's going to be opportunities elsewhere. And the skill sets you learn during your time transfer to anything outside of logistics.
0: That is very, very true, especially as you develop a character, you know, a strong character being in this industry where it's every day is a different challenge and multiple challenges, maybe facing it at a time. Right. Yeah. Jose, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today. I feel like you've dropped so many gems (laughs) and I know that our listeners are really going to appreciate that. Any, any parting words on where we can find you next or what we should look out for?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I've, I've moved on to a to a new career path outside of logistics where a lot of the day to day will be the same from a critical stand, critical thinking standpoint yeah. uh, processes driven timeline driven efficiency driven so uh, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, that's where you can find me. Thank you again Jenny, for the opportunity Thank The you. best to you.
0: Absolutely, Jose. And and listen, we'll stay in touch because there's no one better than your energy that you brought to the show today. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh no, it's a pleasure. It's it's great. It's good to have a little variety and a little bit of Goya uh, <laughs> mixed in there.
0: Oh yeah, always nice to have you. And and you're you're welcome to come back anytime, especially if you've got us, you know, an opinion on anything that's happening in the industry. Please come on in and share your insights.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you, Jenny. All the best to you. You rock. Yes,
0: Jose. You rock. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix, Inc., or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix, Inc., nor its affiliates, nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated, warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change. That's the point.